Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Amen. Well, let's get our Bibles open. Open your Bibles to John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, 10, pretty easy to find. As long as you don't go to 1 John, 2 John, or 3 John, then it's going to be a little more difficult. But because you're, you're not going to find John 10, 10 in 1, 2 or 3 John. I saw, saw, saw a little joke online the other day, and, and it said, okay, you think you're such a good Christian, name to me four books of the Bible. And the guy says, John. Because there's the Gospel of John, there's 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, so there are four books of the Bible. So that's a, that's a trick you can pull on somebody. I can name four books of the Bible in one word and say John and just have them look at you. And then, and then, then you have to explain it to them, all right? But go ahead and find that in your Bible, John 10, 10. Now let me tell you, once you find this, hold your place there, and we're going to dive right into this. But then after I finish with that scripture, stay there. Don't leave. Stay right there because we're going to be coming back to that, all right? So... Today's, uh, today's message is entitled, Trusting God to Resurrect. Trusting God to Resurrect. And it's part of my Power of Trust series, uh, that it's a three-part series, and I'm excited for today. Next week, I'll be wrapping up this series. But today, I'm talking about trusting God to resurrect. It's all about omnipotence. It's, this series is about the power of God and learning how to trust in the power of God. All right? Let's look at it. John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Jesus talking. He says, the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy. I want you to say those three words, those three verbs right there. What does this this thief come to do? He comes to steal, kill, destroy. Say it with me again. He comes to steal, kill, destroy. Very important. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, again, hold your place there. Now, we have an enemy The enemy's job description is listed for us right there. His three main points of the job description, steal, kill, destroy. A lot of people struggle with with knowing, well, I don't know whether this is of God or not of God or, or is the devil involved in it. Let me be really clear. It's very simple. You look at that threefold definition of the job description of Satan, and if, 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 if it involves theft, if it involves murder, killing, death, or destruction, hell is involved in it. Do you understand that? Do you understand? So that's important to understand in our culture because our culture is now twisting it. The Bible says, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. And right now in our culture, those three areas of theft, death, and destruction are being elevated as being okay. And it's good. It's okay to steal under certain circumstances. It's okay to kill under certain circumstances. It's okay to, to destroy and to tear down and to, and to demolish. That, that's okay under certain circumstances. Well, it's not. Do you understand that? So that's the definition, steal, kill, destroy. That's what hell wants to do against us. Now, that's a simple way of always distinguishing the work of God from the work of hell. Theft, murder, uh, killing, or destruction. It's not from God. So Satan, what he does, he kills. 
So let's just make it real clear. I'm going to take one of those words right in the middle of his job description. I'm going to focus on that today. Satan kills. But I'm going to call this today the spirit of death. The spirit of death. It is a spirit demonic spirit that, that comes to bring just, just, just horrible death. It, it, it kills, it murders, it destroys what, what God has set up, all right? Now, now, this is a key role of Satan, but Jesus in the scripture says that he came to bring the opposite. He came to bring life. He came to bring life and so that you could have life not just a little bit of life, but life to the full. Uh, another way of, of saying that is abundant life. He wants to give you abundant life, and it's not just for the future. Uh, there's, a, there's a misunderstanding of this scripture. It says, yeah, Jesus came to give us life to the full, and that's going to be in heaven. No, it is now and in eternity, and that's extremely important that we understand that. Way, I'll tell you, way too many Christians are living in oppression right now, and they're allowing the theft, death, and destruction from hell to happen in their lives because they don't fully appropriate what Jesus came to bring us through the cross. He came to bring us life, life to the full, abundant life. Now, now get this. Satan is not all-powerful. Do you understand that? He's not all-powerful. God is omnipotent. Omnipotent, we learned a couple weeks ago, means he is all-powerful. Whenever you see in the scriptures it says God Almighty, that means he, is, he has all might. He has all power. So there is no limit to the power of God. Satan's power has limits. And, but what he does, he uses those, those, his power to bring, in this case, death. And when hell inflicts that, God can reverse it. What hell inflicts, God can reverse. So Jesus, what he does is he resurrects. Resurrection is the opposite of killing, uh, death, murder. It's a correction to the work of Satan, which is the spirit of death. Now, here are some really simple examples, some things you've learned before. Uh, before we get into the next part of our text, just, just understand this. that like When you're dead in your sin, Jesus resurrects you spiritually from the death of sin. So there's a spiritual resurrection. Uh, Jesus, he was killed and nailed to the cross. But you know the story, the, the Easter story. That's even part of what we just celebrated a moment ago through communion. Jesus' physical body was resurrected into a what we call a resurrected body. Uh, that's the spirit of life that's working there. When you received Christ into your life, you're no longer spiritually dead. You have the spirit of life in you also. After you die physically, there's going to be a time in the future. It's called the resurrection. People who have died who are believers are going to be resurrected to live with Christ forever. That is a promise that we have. And you will be in a resurrected body. And the way to look at a resurrected body is to look at what Jesus did. After Jesus rose from the grave, he, he would eat. He, he would eat and hang out with people. and people just he would, he would be with people and enjoy his time with them, but he also could walk through walls. And he could also, like, like transport himself from one place to another. Now, that's pretty cool, right? So, so that's the way we're going to live. You guys are still going to get to eat. You're going to get to eat all you want, and it's not going to affect your calorie count, all right? You're going to enjoy. It's going to be fun. The foods that are restricted in your current life are unrestricted in eternity. Come on, bring on the peach cobbler and bluebell ice cream. Amen. <laughs> but 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 that's the beauty of the resurrection that you're going to face in the future. So therefore, 
God does things. God resurrects even dead people in this world today. He does. Uh, the, the closest I ever came in contact with this was actually about 20 years ago. I was pastoring in Missouri, and a missionary who was a part of our church, he had just come back from Siberia. And he sat down with me, and I remember it was an Applebee's restaurant. I was just getting reacquainted with him after he'd been gone for a while. And he was, he was shaking, and he just said, I'm, I'm really nervous. I, I, I've, not, I've only told two people about this, but I've got to tell you what just happened about four weeks ago in Russia. And so he told the story of when he had a bunch of Bible college students, about, about I, I think it was about 20 to 30 Bible college students and, and young pastors that were on the platform with him. He had a big 5,000-seat auditorium that they had rented, and they were preaching the gospel. And during the middle of this gospel presentation, some of the communists, these Marxists, broke in, and they, they carried in, literally carried in a dead body that they had, uh, that they ex- had exhumed. And they said, if your God is so real, then bring this man back to life. <laughs> so he was put on the spot. And the way he, he told the story, it's, it's very amazing. But he told the story, and, and I'm not going to, he spent 30 minutes telling me every little detail. The details are incredible. I'm not going to take your time with that today. But, but he began to pray for this body, and he, he brought the, uh, the students around him and the young pastors around him. And he said, God, you've got you to do something here. We are on the spot. This is a showdown. And so they began to pray for this dead body. And slowly, over it, it was about probably about 30, 45-minute time period, the body began to warm up. And, uh, and, and it, it was even bloated and began to, 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 <laughs> to take its normal shape again. And the man's... <laughs> The man's eyelids began to move, and he felt the fingers beginning to move, and, and the man eventually was literally physically resurrected. When that happened, you know, half of the communist guys who, who had brought in the body, they screamed, they yelled, they ran out. The other, there were others that literally fell on their knees and began worshiping God, and the whole place erupted in praise to God. A, the, a dead man was raised back to, to life. I, I know that happens. I believe that happens. Uh, it's not very common, but it does happen. And it's sometimes for the glory of God. If, if, if there's going to be a body resurrected, it's not just so that you can feel good about it. No, it's for the glory of God. And in this case, it was. So God resurrects dead people even in today's world. God resurrects also, though, dead dreams. God also resurrects dead callings. For some of you, there are callings and there are dreams in your life that have been buried. And today's the day to deal with that. Because the spirit of life is in this room, and the spirit of death is not welcome. Flip over in your Bibles to John chapter 11, verse 1. should be right over a few verses later. You were in John 10.10. Now go to John chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to take a look at the story of a man by the name of Lazarus. Lazarus is dead, and he's buried in a tomb in the story Lazarus is a friend of Jesus Christ. Some of you know how the story ends. Lazarus is resurrected. But I want to take you through some elements of the story. And and we're going to kind of walk through this and see it maybe from a perspective you've not seen it before. All right, so it says, John 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So these were all siblings, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And you've heard of Mary and Martha before, the story of when Jesus went to the house and, and Mary was listening, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was running around doing all the work and 
Jesus says, Martha, 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 why don't you just, okay, that's the same people. Lazarus was their brother, okay. It says, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. There's this misunderstanding saying it was a prostitute by the name of Mary Magdalene that came and, and, and wiped Jesus with his hair. That's, that's, a, that's a myth. That's not true. That's, don't even believe that stuff. That's junk. Okay, this is actually the Mary from this same story. Mary, Mary, Mary. Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus. Mary who's in this story today. Uh, Mary who wiped her hair because... <clears throat> What we find out later, if you follow the continuum on the story, is Mary was so grateful for her, uh, for her brother Lazarus being raised from the grave that in another setting, this is just days later, in another setting, when Jesus was there and Lazarus was there in the room, the, the resurrected Lazarus, she comes and she's so grateful to the Lord she does this, this, uh, this act of, of, of appreciation. All right, keep moving on. Just, get, just to give you a little context, okay? So the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus. Jesus was a few days away. Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Mary Excuse me, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, which is Mary and Lazarus. Uh, just a little bit of context here. He's, he's giving them a message to send back to Mary and to Martha. And, uh, and, and I believe the author writes this in here, John writes this in here, because it's important for us to know that he really deeply loved them. The reason is because the next sentence might make you think that he doesn't love them all that much. Look at the next one. The next verse says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he went immediately to Bethany, right? No. It says he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So they weren't even in the region. And and so (laughs) he loved them, but he waited two days. He knew about Lazarus' grave sickness. He knew that he was possibly near death. But Jesus essentially said this, this situation looks bad, but everything's going to be okay. See, his real motive was to reveal the glory of God. That's, that's one of the big reasons why God works miracles in our lives is he wants to reveal his glory. He wants to reveal his glory. He wants to demonstrate his omnipotence. He wants to make it clear, I am all-powerful. And regardless of where you are today, whatever you're facing, know this is God wants to show and demonstrate his omnipotence. But sometimes God allows things to get worse before they get better. Some of you are experiencing the worst kind of right now. Some of you have experienced the whole process a few times where things, you called on God and you were hoping for an answer and and God just seemed to stay in the other town. He's doing business somewhere else and he's not answering and things get worse before they get better. But you've seen the the miracle power of God. But but, uh, but I'll, I'll let you know this. This is incredible. The spirit of death won't win, but it's up to you to appropriate the spirit of life into that. See, when what God wants to do, he wants to show how his power will reverse the spirit of death in any and every situation. 
And God has this plan. His plan is to show off, to draw more people to him. God wants to make it clear to people in this world, he has power, and he will change situations and things, all right? So get this, the spirit of death will not win. For some of you, that's what you got to get in your hearts today. The spirit of death will not win, and the spirit of life will prevail. Now, look in the scriptures down at verse number 17, John eleven seventeen. Jesus gets there. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many of the Jews had come to Mary, to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Mary stayed at home. <laughs> I, I find that so interesting because they both knew he was there. Uh, they, and, uh, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, now I'm going to use a little bit of expression because of the way I'm going to exaggerate a little bit because I think this is kind of the vibe, the feeling that's here. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Now, I want to pause there for just a second. She's, what she's doing there, she's saying she doesn't doubt the power of God. She believes in the power of God. But you're going to see a little bit later, her belief in the power of God only goes so far. So, and, and I tell you guys, we're so much like Martha. We're so much like, yo, God, I know that you can do anything. But, you know, there's a situation. I know you can't do anything about that. <laughs> it's over with. It's buried. It's done. And that's what we want to break. That's what I want you to break in your life today. All right. It says, but I, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, okay, your brother will rise again. Now, we know how the story ends. But she didn't know how the story ended. And so she replies back a good Christian spiritual answer about the resurrection day off in eternity. She says, oh, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. <laughs> I know. And Jesus said to her, I, I, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, he is saying, I am the spirit of life which reverses the spirit of death. Do you understand that? It says, I am. It's here. It's here right now. Now keep going. It says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you, do you believe this? <laughs> and Mary says, Martha says, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who's come into this world. Now, the problem with this is she keeps thinking eternal. There's nothing wrong with thinking eternal. I, I'm, I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. But sometimes we overplay the eternal and forget about what God can and will do right now. See, she's overplaying the eternal, and, and Jesus is actually thinking present tense. She's thinking future tense. And this is a huge barrier to miracles in the body of Christ because we say God is powerful in the future. God is powerful after I die. God is powerful in heaven. But get this. I mean, even John, later on, John 16, 33, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. But 
take heart because I have overcome this world. So God is saying, Jesus is saying, you have my power right now. Yeah, life sometimes stinks. Sometimes bad things happen. But he said, but, but it's not all about what I'm going to do in eternity. I can affect things right now. See, there's this common belief. And unfortunately, it is pervading so much of the body of Christ today. And it's basically this, this attitude of, in this world, you will have trouble. And you just got to deal with it. Because God doesn't have very much power down here. And his omnipotence is really only going to function fully in eternity. Heaven's going to be great, though. <laughs> Let's get there. See, that's only half true. It's for now. See, God wants to resurrect now, not just in the future. The spirit of life is not just for eternity, it's for today. The difference is, is this, is in eternity, the spirit of death will not be present, will not even be allowed in. Therefore, the spirit of life pervades everything, and it allows for us to have, for you to have constant, there, there, there's no victory over, over, uh, over the spirit of death of the, uh, on the other side, because it's all over with. It's just you're just living in the spirit of life, and it's wonderful. Jesus already won the victory, so it's over with. There's no more fighting. But on this earth, in the meantime, the spirit of life is here, but also the spirit of death is here. But God wants us to use the spirit of life to counteract and have victory over the spirit of death. Are you getting this? All right, good. Then let's go to verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him, and she fell at his feet, and she said, Lord, <laughs> here we go again. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I have a feeling Mary and Martha rehearsed these lines before Jesus showed up. Now, this is where it gets intense. When Jesus saw her weeping, so she, she was sobbing, and the Jews who had come along with her, also weeping. So these were mourners that were there weeping. And, and, and people would do that in those days. They would, they would go to your house and cry for a few days with you. Uh, and, and if you didn't have enough friends to do that, you could hire people to come to your house and cry. That was, that was actually part of the culture. I know it's weird, but they, they, they did that. So here they are. So they, these mourners, these friends are crying and weeping with her. And they're all sobbing and they're crying. And it says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. In other words, he was not happy with what he saw. His spirit was moved, but he was very, very troubled. When, when you're troubled, you know something isn't quite right. So this is what's happening with Jesus. So Jesus said, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. But then Jesus, the shortest verse in the Bible, two words, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, oh, see how he loved him? Oh, look at him weeping. He loves him. He's sad just like all the rest of us. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men have kept this man from dying? <clears throat> so here's this conflict. And everyone here Everyone there in verse 37, they're all getting, getting it wrong. They're all getting it wrong. So a big question is, why did Jesus weep? And I want us to hone in on that for just a second, because I believe the answer is found in the story. The answer is found there, because here we have a situation where the omnipotent God has walked on the scene and nobody believes. 
Yeah, they believe out there, or they believe it could have happened back then, but they don't believe in the here and now that God can do something right now. And, and, and this is the biggest, one of the biggest temptations for us as believers. God could have done it back then, but I know God's going to do it in eternity, but we're kind of just stuck right now. Well, we need to get rid of that thinking out of our minds. You see, that allows the spirit of death to have the final word. And I want us to begin to perceive how omnipotence works now. Now. See, these are people that are hopelessly grieving over their loss. And, and Jesus at, sees all this. He's, he's troubled. And, and, and he breaks down and he cries. It's, he cries hard. And I want you to imagine, this isn't like he's, his eyes watered up. He sobbed hard. He sobbed. He sobbed. And I remember the last time I sobbed, it was when I lost my dad. I, I, I sobbed. I just I wept. I cried. And, and it happened to me a few times. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I understand that. that there's nothing wrong with that. But, but he's sobbing for a different reason. Because he's already saying he's going to bring him back to life. So what caused Jesus to weep? Well, I believe what caused Jesus to weep still causes Jesus to weep. I'll say it again. What caused Jesus to weep still causes Jesus to weep. Because I believe Jesus weeps when we relentlessly grieve over what appears to be dead. I'll say it again. Jesus weeps when we relentlessly grieve over what appears to be dead. Are you making Jesus weak just because you can't get it, that he can do something here now? That's amazing. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says, We do not grieve like the rest of mankind who has no hope. That's speaking of physical death. Why? Well, because of eternity, naturally. When someone dies on this earth, let's just take that for example, we grieve differently. We grieve, but we grieve differently. Why? It's because of the final resurrection. If you've lost someone who is a loved one, a family member, someone who has passed away, who was serving God, they have only fallen asleep. Do you hear me? They've only just fallen asleep. Yeah, I mean, I, I miss my dad. Like Every day I think, oh, I need to call my dad, or I need to tell my dad this, or I need to ask my dad this question. And it happens to me every day. And I'm like, oh, no. But then I know I'm going to see dad in eternity. I will see him again. I grieve simply because I miss him. I grieve because I miss him, not because he's gone forever. I, I grieve because I can't interact with dad anymore. But the way that I, I frame it, I just frame it according to the scriptures. Dad's just taking a really long nap. Dad's just taking a really long nap. But with whatever's going on in your life, the spirit of death can be counteracted by the spirit of life. And that can happen in every area where you've seen death. Death of hope, death of your calling, which are the two ones I'm, I'm really talking about today. The spirit of life has more power than the spirit of death over your hope and over your calling. And I want you to receive that, and I want you to begin to call it out today. Because God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful here and now. So I'm telling you, 
now's the time to stop relentlessly grieving over the loss of hope or the loss or the death of a calling. Stop relentlessly grieving over that because you're making Jesus just weep. Like, when are they going to get it that I am omnipotent? Okay, look at verse 48. 38. No, don't go to 48. 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. <laughs> and here we go again. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor and he has been in there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you? I, I, th- I, I feel like he would have done it like this. I, you know the Jesus movies, they, they make Jesus look too soft. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory? I, Jesus was a passionate person. He was a person just like, I, did I not tell you that like, if you believe, you're going to see the glory of God? <laughs> he didn't even wait for them to respond. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, and this part is hilarious. A lot of people just say Jesus walked up to the tomb, opened it up, and says, Lazarus, come forth. He walked out. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. That's the movie version. No, people don't like this other part because it makes Jesus look like sometimes he's just disgusted. And he was. <laughs> look at him. He said, he's just been sobbing because he's so upset about this. He, <laughs> it says that Jesus said, okay, uh, Here we go, here we go. So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. There's no prayer like this that Jesus prays anywhere else in the scriptures. (laughs) I knew that you always hear me. Saying this good and loud. But I say this for the benefit of the people who are standing here. In other words, Jesus, he didn't even have to pray that part. He said this out loud. He said all this. God, I know, I know Father, you, you've already heard me. I know that, you, in fact, you always hear me. Isn't that great, God? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? But I wasn't saying it to him for his benefit. He doesn't need to know that. Y'all need to know that. Get your minds in order. This is thing called the omnipotent God who is here now. I, the spirit of resurrection, the spirit of life is on the scene. And he's on the scene in your life too. Come on. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Something about saying something even in a loud voice. We see it all through the scriptures, all through the scriptures. He declared it loudly. He didn't think the prayer. Would it have worked if he thought the prayer? I don't know, but he didn't do it that way. In fact, I can't see one place in the scriptures where it says Jesus thought a prayer to God. Now, am I against thinking prayers? No. But there's something about a declaration. There's something about saying it out loud. In fact, the Jewish tradition is this. My Jewish friends will say this. When you say something in the Hebrew language, when you say something, those words actually take on life. And I don't believe it's just the Hebrew language. I believe it's ours as well. That's why, that's why in your home, husbands, you do not say, maybe we should just look into a divorce because you've released divorce into the home. 
You see, there are, there are things we just don't need to be saying. But we need to, and things we do need to be saying, we need to be releasing life. We need to be releasing the spirit of life. So Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Now that's just pretty cool, isn't it? Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Okay, here it is. Jesus, the omnipotent spirit of life, he counteracted now the spirit of death by verbally commanding Lazarus to come forth. He commanded what was in the grave to come out. He said it come out whatever's in the grave. And then people saw the glory of God. That's how God works. That's how God's work. You can, hear me well, you can verbally declare life over dead areas and command it to come out of the grave in the name of Jesus. You, you don't have the power on your own. You only have it, the power through the name of Jesus. I challenge you today, trust God to resurrect. Believe and you and others will see the glory of God. You want to see God's glory? You want to see it released? Believe and see it and begin to declare and call things that are in the grave to come out. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says this, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. In other words, the resurrection spirit, which is in Jesus, is in you as well. Resurrection power, I mean, it, it, it lives in you and it works in eternity, yeah, but it works in eternity with no resistance. In this world right now, that spirit of life has to fight against the spirit of death. That's why the conflict. That's why we have the emotional games. That's why we have the mental games. That's why, that's why bad things do happen, but then God wants to overcome. He, he's wanting us to get involved in the process. And sometimes God waits a while because he wants to show off. He's really wanting to show off. And some of you are saying, okay, he can show off right now. I'm ready for him to right now, okay? And, he, and I just do believe that God may be ready to do that for you right now. God is omnipotent whether you believe it or not. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says, His incomparably great power for us who believe. I like that. They're talking, they're talking about the great the resurrection power. This is about the power of life. But it is for us who believe. It's for believers. That power is the same as the mighty strength when he, ex- he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. So omnipotence, catch this, it is for us. Who believe the spirit? The spirit of life is on your side. The spirit of life is for you, and it is against the spirit of death, and it wants to counteract the spirit of death and what it's done in you. The spirit of death is no match for the spirit of life. Bottom line, please get that. Remember, God and Satan are not equals. Like Satan and his demons, they're fallen angels. They're powerful, yeah, and, and they come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus is 100% God, and the spirit of death can never supersede the spirit of life unless you allow it and fail to appropriate the spirit of life that you already have abiding in you. That's why I'm asking you guys to begin, you know, first of all, trust God to resurrect your hope. Some of you, your, your hope is gone. You, you've, been, you've been dealing with some situations where you're deflated and the hope is out of you. It's possibly unexpected illnesses or relationship struggles, just a daily grind, and, and, it, and it's, it's just, it's, it's really sapped you. Over this past couple of years, maybe it's just like, ugh, what next? 
then that hope is, it just feels like it's gone. That hope feels like it's buried. Well, I want to say today is the day you need to begin to expect that that hope is going to come out. That hope is going to be resurrected. You know, it, it's easy to get low. It's easy to, to let life, to, to, to get really low and then make life-altering decisions, you know, be, because you want to force and change your circumstances, but that doesn't have to be the case. You trust in the omnipotent God. You trust in that spirit of life to resurrect your hope, and then you can declare with your mouth that hope will come out of the grave, and it will be even greater than before. You're going to live with new hope, and it's going to be a vibrant new hope. I like that. A lot of churches around that even name their church New Hope. That's because what was dead is now new, and you can have new hope. Trust God also to resurrect your calling. Some of you have had a very unique calling on your life, and it probably possibly differs from your occupation or from you know, just the things you're interested in, but it's a unique calling. You know it's something that God puts you on this earth to do, and, and you know it, but, but it's not happened, and so you feel like it's in the grave, and, and it's buried, and it just seems so far gone. It's not even in the picture. It's not even uh, on the screen anymore for yourself, and, and, and you're still grieving it today. Like, I guess I miss God. That calling wasn't from God. No, I'm just saying that that calling was attacked and was buried. And now it's time for it to be resurrected. And no one's going to shame you for that being buried. It's just time for you to act on faith and begin to call on that calling to be resurrected. The buried calling does not have to stay there unless you want it to. And who wants to live that way? declare this calling that will come forth from the grave in Jesus' name. This calling will be restored to my life in Jesus' name. And what's going to happen? God's going to get the glory. God's going to get the glory. God is going to be honored. So my question for you today is what buried hope, what buried calling do you believe that God will resurrect? What is it? I want you to become specific with it. What buried hope, what buried calling it's just gone. You're like, it's dead. I want you to go back to that grave, and I want you to address it. Specifically. 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 Some of you, it may be a calling to be a champion for your neighborhood and to rally people together and to share the gospel with your neighbors. Others of you, it might be a, a calling that's on your life to 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 transform a business and make it Christ-centered where God's spirit is alive in that business. Maybe, maybe it's a calling that's on your life and, and you know that you're supposed to be an evangelist and you have, you have a calling on you. It's, your heart beats fast when you think of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and it's just not happened. It's time to see that resurrected. It's time for it to come back. It's in, the, it's in the grave, but it can come back and it'll be stronger than ever before. What is that hope? That hope that you will live in joy. That hope that you will see a relationship that's healthy and vibrant. Call on that hope in the name of Jesus Christ to be resurrected. Verbally, just verbally, verbally. In the name of Jesus, the spirit of life, may it be applied to it. I'd like for you guys to stand all across this room right now. And I want us just to begin to 
focus on the Lord and His omnipotence, and I want you to hone in on that, whatever it is, that buried hope, that, 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 that buried calling, and I want you just to begin to call it out. Now, you may not want to scream it out in here. And I know people like to be shy here. I, I was at the Rangers game the other night. Nobody was shy there. Like, They're all happy. I was too. In church, I don't know why we have to be so shy. I'm not going to get on to you more. But, uh, guys, you got to call it out. And if you don't call it out here, you better, as soon as you get outside, you may, be, may want to get in your car and do it. You may not want to do it in the middle of your office. That may kind of make things a little weird at work. But you need to, you need to just get out there and say, I, I, I do this. Actually, my favorite place to do that is when I'm alone in here, alone in the offices across the street or alone in my car. Uh, I, yeah, I, you know, sometimes I do it at home, and, and Rebecca's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just like uh, it's just that Christian stuff again. But, but I like to verbally declare it. In the name of Jesus, buried hope come out. Arise. Arise in my life. In the name of Jesus, you buried calling. It is time for you to come out of the grave. I, God has plans for you. And the name of Jesus activates it because the name of Jesus is the spirit of life. Do you guys get this? I'm done preaching. It's time for us to take action on it. I want you right now just begin to declare. Let's take about uh, one minute. I want you to begin to declare in the name of Jesus and call out hopes. Call out callings and say, come out of the grave. Come out of the grave. Come on. Come on. Come out of the grave. Come out of the grave. Come out of the grave. In the name of Jesus, buried hopes and callings, come out of the grave in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Spirit of life be released. Spirit of death, you do not have authority over the spirit of life. Call it out. Call it out. Arise. 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 Come forth in Jesus' name. We do not doubt your omnipotent power, God. We do not doubt your, your ability to bring life where there was death. And I thank you, God, that you can and you will restore in Jesus' name. And you will restore abundantly more. You will restore with more hope, with a greater, more robust calling in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want you to sing that song, and I want you to lift up these words to the Lord. Come on. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.